1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
2: Hi, welcome back to Cosmopolitans All The Way With. I'm Paisley Gilmore. And I'm Laura Capon. And we're not doing an intro this week because we've got a really good guest on, yeah. so we're just skipping straight to it. Here so we go. We're joined today by our friend and former Cosmo colleague, Lauren. Lauren and her husband Andy have been trying to get pregnant for four years and have been through three rounds of IVF. She's here to talk about the impact infertility can have on your relationship.
0: Hi, Lauren. Hi, hello, old pal. Hi. <laughs> <I'm excited to laughs> Before be here. we start, can we just say how much we're obsessed with Lauren
2: and Andy as a couple? They're like my Aww. couple girls. But I want to, we want to get, I want to okay. get in the I just podcast. To say, okay, sorry.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I know this is
2: part of the podcast. But... <laughs> Andy's gonna have such a big head by the end of is this it?
1: podcast.
3: He's like, I'm amazing. <laughs> yeah, the we're girls couples. love me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's
1: true. <laughs> I feel
3: like people like him more than me sometimes. I have to deal with that every day. No, no. no. equal, equal, good. Okay, just
0: 50-50. <laughs> so to kind of express to the general listener what a legendary couple you are what's your story you and Andy so our journey
3: (laughs) (laughs) uh, is so Andy and I actually met at work so my first job out of uni was for a travel company which is now defunct called (laughs) hostelbookers.com and we sat opposite each other and we were like best work buddies and I remember there was one day where I was like I would never date anyone at this place (laughs) and Andy was like his face fell and I didn't have any idea that he liked me and um, it all came out at like a Christmas party when I think someone on our team got naked but that's like another story <coughs> and it all came out um and then yeah then we just went on like our first date which lasted like a whole day and it ended in going to see a film I think it was like law-abiding citizen which was a terrible choice <coughs> because someone's veins explode in like the first 10 minutes and I hate veins it's like my phobia so in the Scratchy. date, he was literally like shit I really oh dear um but anyway it like culminated in us getting together which was really great and then we been together, like 10 years, we got married five years ago. Can you just share the one fact about a million pound drop? <laughs> oh my god, yes! So, Andy, yeah, Andy's one of these people, he's had like a mad life. So, he was on million pound drop with his sister, we'd only been going out for six months. And the way I found out about it was he just like appeared on TV, and loads of my friends were messaging me, being like, Your boyfriend's on TV. Um, and him and his sister, were like the first ever winners of million pound drop, and like, one they didn't win a million pounds, but won like <laughs> that a good say. chunk of money, and like, our first holiday together was to Mauritius, which was amazing. It's like gone downhill since then. like <laughs> We don't earn a lot of money. <laughs> so even in
0: those early days before you got married, had you spoken about wanting children?
3: Yeah, so we actually, our relationship moved quite quickly. So we got together and then after about six months we moved in together, which is really quick and I was only mm-hmm. like 22. Um, but it was just because like I was living with two friends they needed someone to move in so we were just like let's just try it out so we moved in together like everything moved very quickly for us and we've always both been quite open people and we were just open about having kids from the beginning like I'd always said I wanted children Um, he also really wanted them but we actually were quite not lucky but we always knew there might have been an issue with it because Andy had cancer when he was 18 Um, he had leukemia and he had his sperm frozen when he had the cancer treatment which is actually really good like, forward thinking from his clinic because mm-hmm. they decided to freeze it at the time in case he needed it later on. So I always knew, he calls them like his swimmers. So <laughs> we always knew. Oh. And you imagine these like 18 year old Andy sperm. It's like really weird. Oh, <laughs> when you- put it like that. No, like little Moldy heads. Old sperm. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's like frozen but yeah. So we we always knew we had the frozen sperm. We always knew there might be an issue but it was never like confirmed. So we talked about it but in our heads we like knew it might be a bit tricky eventually. So to confirm, does that mean that
0: you knew in the future you'd have to use the frozen sperm. There's no fresh is there fresh no, real sperm? No,
3: oh. So, like, we knew we, it was like a backup. So he was okay. like, oh, they, like, froze my sperm when I was 18. We might use it if we need to later down the okay. line. And I kind of went, oh, okay. But when you're, like, 22... You Don't think, think about I it. Don't think about mm, it. And, like, oh. I said I want kids. Like, I just assumed I'd be able to have them. I always mm-hmm. wanted a family. But... I didn't really think about it I just went oh, okay never mind like and also I was very much like I'm not having children till I'm at least 35 <laughs> I wanted to be like the digital editor for like a magazine and I was like this will get in the way of my career plans so I don't want kids anytime soon and whereas Andy was like oh I'd quite like to have them a bit younger I was like no
2: so I think I was a bit like no arm's length about it all yeah. so I didn't really think about it at the time. So when did you start um, I hate that term, start trying, like, <laughs> to start having a lot of sex. So, actually, we didn't do the, like, supposed,
3: like, fun bit of having lots of sex and trying <laughs> to have a kid, which actually apparently turns quite boring, like, yeah, quite quickly, because it's like, you have to time it from, like, a certain point in your cycle. Um, so, we didn't actually have to do any of that, and I'm actually quite glad, because we knew, we basically, okay, I'll start from the mm-hmm. beginning. So, we, the reason we found out we'd need to have IVF was because... Um, uh, I just started my job at Cosmo and Andy got like a call from his clinic saying, oh, we're going to destroy your sperm, your frozen (laughs) sperm, because it's been there for like longer than 10 years. And we've been trying to get hold of you via this old address and we're going to get rid of it. And he obviously freaked out and was like, no, we need to keep it. And they said, well, why don't you come in and do a sperm test so we can find out if you actually need to use it? Because it was always like, we never knew whether he actually had any problems. Like I've been on the pill. We never had to even think about it. Does sperm have a best before date? So I think (laughs) the way she worded that... That is a very good question. <laughs> there, is, <laughs> there isn't like an official best before date, but I think like the sooner you use it, the better, which obviously no one told us at the time. A use by date. Rather. A use by date. Like I think the younger it is, the better. Um, like the freezing technology I think is quite good now because like people are freezing their eggs and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's better to use it sooner. But we didn't know that at the time. So they kind of said to us, it's been there for 10 years. We're just going to get rid. So he came in and he did the test. and we actually were really lucky we got to see one of the best andrologists which is like a sperm doctor I don't know if that's <laughs> the right term um, like sperm man um we saw like one of the best sperm doctors in he's probably a professor sperm guys <laughs> in europe um he's called john ramsey and he basically looked at the sperm results and said you've got quite a low sperm count Like the sperm morphology, which is how it moves, isn't very good. So you're probably going to need IVF. So we actually found that out straight away. We didn't have most couples will do like, I think the NHS recommends 18 months of trying. So we didn't Mm -hmm. even have the like year and a half of trying naturally, which would be quite frustrating, I imagine, and quite Mm -hmm. stressful. We didn't have any of that. It was just straight away like you're going to need IVF. So in a way, it was quite a shock because I was only 28. I just started a job that I really liked and I didn't want to have to think about it, but... I guess at least we didn't, we knew, if that mm-hmm. makes any yeah. sense. So was that when you were like, well, shit, we better get on with it then? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember I said to the, this John Ramsey guy, he was like, you're going to need IVF. And I was like, well, I don't want to do it right now because i just started a job that I like. And I don't kids aren't in my plan in the next year. And he was actually really good with us. He just, mm-hmm. he was really honest. And he said, look... Most couples, it takes them a couple of goes before they get pregnant. Um, you're young, which is really good. It's better to do it when you're younger. Um, provided there's no issues with you, I think it will probably take a couple of rounds to go. But if you're going to do it on the NHS, it takes probably about a year to get referred. So by the time you even get around to doing it, it's going to be, you know, maybe a year and a half. And he was ex- completely <laughs> right. That's exactly what happened. It took so long to get a referral, even though we had like evidence that he had, a, Andy had a mm-hmm. fertility issue. So he just told us to get on with it, which actually at the time I was like, oh, I don't want to do it, but it was really good advice. Um, yeah, because it takes ages <laughs> to the NHS. And then you're
2: <laughs> so it's free through the NHS the first round.
3: So it depends where you live. So it's there's this thing called the IVF postcode lottery, where depending on your borough, that determines how many rounds you have. So in our borough, Wandsworth, you get one for free. In some, I think in some parts of the north, you get three. Um, yeah, so we only got one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically So it was like This round is free Or bust (laughs) So how old were you then When your first round Came about It took about a year To actually get The referral through Which was mad It just took a lot of Like pushing from me Like going to the doctors Like we had to lie About how long we have been trying for Even Mm -hmm. though we had Like clinical evidence That he had a sperm issue so we finally got to our clinic and then the clinic said I was really into the gym at the time. I think it was probably my way of dealing with all the like stress of infertility. I got super into the gym and they actually said, you're underweight. <laughs> like, you're too, too lean. <laughs> 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 you, need, you need to like, you're no, we're not going to do IVF with you because it's not going to work because you mm. need to have like certain hormone levels. My estrogen was really low um and during that time i I forgot to mention I'd also found out I'd had polycystic ovaries which I never oh. knew kind of those weird things where like I had all these hairs on my chin <laughs> I was like Why wonder why I've got those <laughs> yeah I never really I remember my friend pointed them out once he was like have you got a, you've got a hair on your chin and I was like don't be a don't a be friend. a dick but he was like you should get it checked out it's probably hormonal and at the time I was like How have you got so much knowledge and I just ignored him but obviously it was all related to polycystic ovaries and I'd always had periods that are a bit bad but I think a lot of women myself included just don't think about mm-hmm. it you just accept that periods are bad you accept that that's normal and actually it wasn't so that came as quite a shock and then they kind of said well to get that in check you need to put on a bit of weight and be at a healthier way you need to stop working out so much so I had quite a nice six months where it was <laughs> like just put on a bit of weight chill out from the gym <laughs> so I think I was about 30 by the time we did our first round so it took quite a long time um, so it's
0: PCOS is that the right acronym is that a thing that gets in the way of
3: fertility then so it it does if you're trying naturally because it means that often you don't ovulate, so you're not releasing an egg every month, and your periods are quite irregular, so it's quite hard to track like when you should be having sex if you're trying naturally. Um, it also can cause other hormonal imbalances. So I've got quite low progesterone, which is quite an essential hormone for um like maintaining a pregnancy. So it just means your hormones are a bit out of whack and okay. like you kind of want to get them.
2: As balanced as possible before your pump full of more hormones. <laughs> me and I'm oh. bonded because we both had PCOS. Yeah. Oh, did I, I did never know twins. you had it? Yeah, PCOS. Twins. Don't bring it up all the time. <laughs> it's quite common, isn't it? It's really, I, and I think so many people have it and they don't know. They don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, that was
3: the thing with me. They were like, "Oh, yeah, you've got it quite badly." And I was like, "Do I?" Because you can great. have
2: you can have relatively normal periods and still have it as well. It's one of yeah. those like really confusing. So, when you went for your IVF, I'm sorry, Andy, does he go off in a room and like wank in a cup and you yes yeah, so. yeah, i don't know like the process you know oh I yeah mean?
3: i'll talk which th- i talk through the like the process because yeah. it it's
2: really weird and really clinical and whenever i talk to
3: people about it they're like what <laughs> it's like the opposite of like having sex and this like amazing <laughs> being being created and like drake in the background it's like the complete i don't Lauren. know why i chose <laughs> i don't
2: listen to we know her playlist
3: now. oh my god <laughs> um so the woman like you take loads of hormones sometimes you take the pill to like balance all your hormones out so the doctor can control them. You then take um, these hormones which make you produce lots of eggs so you take injections so you're like injecting yourself um, every day and then you have this thing it's actually like called egg collection but I called it the harvest <laughs> that, is, that said, sounds that like sounds a like Buffy episode yeah, sounds, <laughs> yes. and then I thought that's what it was called like I heard someone at the that clinic is call the it the harvest like, in Buffy yeah with it the master. Literally. it's always about Buffy so. you? Oh, wow, it's iconic I love Buffy um, so I was calling it the harvest and the doctors were like you don't need to call it that it's egg <laughs> collection I was like okay um, so they make you produce loads of Legs, and then under anaesthetic, they take your eggs out. It's really—I don't really oh. understand. They use like a laser. It's your legs are in stirrups. I'm so, it's, oh. Yeah, it's not very um, like dignified, but obviously you don't know what's going on because you're completely like knocked out so that's good um, so they take all the eggs out and they put them into a tube and it was quite nice Well, nice, I don't know our clinic they got Andy to take my eggs from the hospital room to the clinic to do the IVF so he felt like he had a roll how oh, was he carrying oh, them were they in a little they were basket? really heavy they in <laughs> there
2: I've
3: got the <laughs> eggs I've got a nest no they're in um, like a freezer like, oh, cool, okay. like a cool bag like you're taking yeah. them in a cool bag um, oh, I'd be like no actually I don't want that responsibility it's too much. Yeah. maybe you try it though. oh my yeah. god literally the Stress. Yeah, he had to do that. Um, and then the sperm. So, if you're doing it with your natural sperm, you do like, you just go into this like wanking room. They have like, <laughs> apparently, yeah, they have um, like a TV, you can watch porn. Well, it depends on your clinic. So, actually, ironically, we went to a private clinic and Andy said the supplies there weren't as good as in, in the <laughs> yes, NHS yes, clinic. But they have, they're all like wiped clean. It's so gross And it's quite stressful for the man because obviously you've got to. Mm. And you're probably feeling like the least sexual you've ever yeah, felt in it, your life. It's literally the least. Your, your wife is under anesthesia. Anesthetic or partner is under anesthetic. You've got a wank in a cup. It's just so gross, and you've got this like really old porn. Like it's just not not the one. Apparently, the clinic said they do have it where men sometimes can't do it, yeah, and it's they're. really stressful. So I wonder sometimes- if you
2: can that like, request certain things.
1: For <laughs> I mean, like, have I have Aquaman,
3: request? yeah, Jason <laughs> <Romero> and Luke. <laughs> that would be my request. Like. <laughs> so so you've got like a certain like fetish. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so normally the man wanks in a cup, but if you're using frozen sperm, like we had the frozen sperm as well, um, it was really weird. They, like, biked it over from his hospital <laughs> with a career. So it's like on a motorbike. It's really, really weird. Um, and then they do, they've got the sperm in the egg and then they just do the stuff in the lab. So they mix them together. We had this thing called ICSI, which they do when the sperm is not as good quality, where they take a single sperm and they inject it into the egg. Whereas mm. normal IVF, they just, like, shove the sperm in with their egg. And then mm-hmm. and then why. when do they it. put that back inside you? We said it's a bit like the Hunger Games because <laughs> they, they make the embryos, they create the embryos in the lab and then they'll call you the next day and they'll tell you how many embryos that you made and then every other day they call you up to let you know which ones made it through the night. So <gasps> that was actually one of the most stressful parts of IVF because you all I had in my mind was the egg collection and then getting pregnant. That was the only two things in my mm-hmm. mind I was thinking of. But actually that bit was really difficult because you get really excited because with my because I've got polycystic ovaries I always over respond to the drugs so I produce loads of eggs so in my mind I had 30 eggs in my first round and I was like I'm going to produce 30 embryos I'm going to get so pregnant and then <laughs> can have so, yeah, many so many babies and then they ring you up and they're like oh here's how many eggs fertilised they give you the percentage and then every day it's actually in the natural world the same thing would happen they just drop off they don't mm.
2: survive so they'd be like oh two have made it through and then three are still going it's really really weird oh, it's like those little oh. turtles when they go out to sea you, yeah. do you- yeah, I mean, uh,
3: yeah. Know, exactly. it's a bit like, like a nature documentary. It's like it's really yeah. brutal. But yeah, we we said it was a bit like The Hunger Games, which was a bit grim, but also a bit like America's Next Top Model. <laughs> 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 You're still in the running <laughs> to be Lauren's embryo. <laughs> it's a bit like that. <laughs> Every day when they'd ring up. But getting those calls, it was honestly the most stressful thing. Like My heart would be pounding in my oh. chest when it would come off on your phone. And we'd be there on speakerphone in our kitchen, like listening to the results. So that was quite tricky. So they wait to see how many embryos you've got. And then it depends... Normally they wait five days, and then after five days they either put one back in if you've got one, because not everyone gets an embryo. Um, If you have any left over, they then freeze the rest. Um, And yes, then they just put the embryo in, which is really weird because you have to come in to back to the clinic. You have to have a full bladder, so you just want to piss yourself. (laughs) It's really difficult. And then they... It's really weird. They they get the embryo out of the test tube or whatever, and they put it put it in using. I think I can't remember what they use. It's sort of like a tube. They put a tube mm-hmm. in there and sort of flush it in. It's not very magical, <laughs> but then you you normally have a TV screen, so you can see like a flash on the screen when it goes in and it implants. So that's quite quite amazing. You're like, oh my god, that's like our embryo, and it's in my womb now. Um, and Andy's there with you when that Andy's there happens. with okay. you, like holding your hand. So um, again, it is a bit grim because like your legs are splayed. <laughs> You're on a bed. It would be during sex. But it would anyway. be during sex. So yeah, it's cool. Um, so that that bit is quite nice. And then mm-hmm. you have this thing called the two-week wait, which is the work. Another really bad bit for IVF, where. You just have to wait for two weeks and then you take a pregnancy test to see if it's worked. So it's either you would go into a clinic and do a blood test or you just pee on a stick. Um, And that bit's quite difficult because two weeks is such a long time to wait.
2: Yeah, that would feel like forever. It feels like
3: forever. And you, so one thing I didn't say actually is you take, um, you take loads of hormones in IVF. And one of the the hormones you take after your egg collection is progesterone because it's that hormone they need to kind of keep your womb lining really healthy. And you have to take it in a pessary, so it goes up your bum or (laughs) up your vag. And it's... I don't know what it is about progesterone, but it just turns you into a complete nutcase. Like, I... I I've never really had really bad PMS but when I took the progesterone I just turned into a different person I was so crazy I would get angry I would cry at everything so you're taking all these hormones and you're waiting to find out if you're pregnant or not so those two weeks you're just like I don't know what's going on I'm really mad (laughs) um so that's quite tricky Um, and it must
2: be hard because it's all on you as well like for Andy it's like you must you must feel horrible and then you're kind of like a spare part in that yeah. obviously supporting you but that must oh, what feel... Andy, would be, Andy yeah. feels like the spare part yeah. yeah
3: he said that before it's really tough because this is another problem with IVF treatment in general the focus is always on the woman when often it mm. can be like a male factor problem but I feel like IVF clinics are just very geared towards female issues so it's always mm. about what's wrong with you Well, <laughs> what are you not doing with your eggs and like sometimes it isn't the woman yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It is really
3: hard. Andy said several times he's found it quite difficult because he doesn't know how he can help and there isn't... There isn't much you can do apart from be really supportive and mm-hmm. bring me snacks and like <laughs> listen, job. listen to me when I'm being like a complete not case and just <laughs> thinking everything's going wrong. And the trouble with progesterone is it makes you feel like you're pregnant, so you get all the symptoms. Oh. You get like really big boobs and really bloated, and you feel really nauseous. So every five minutes you're like, oh, I've just had a pregnancy <laughs> symptom, but then you're like, no, it's the progesterone, oh. um, and it gives you quite a lot of stomach issues as well. So um, that was quite tricky too. But yeah, that that's like the whole process did you allow yourself to hope oh yeah I I'm quite naturally quite a pessimistic person so my I find it easier to be a bit negative and just think mm. it's not going to work out and then in my mind it's easier to deal with when it doesn't but you do need to have some hope and I I think the trouble with IVF is it's such a roller coaster. So you get all these highs and lows. So the big high when you get all these eggs collected, then the big low when they don't fertilize. The big high when you've got six embryos, and then you'll get to transfer day, and they'll be like, "Oh, there's just one left, and it's not very good quality." So. It's really tricky because when you allow yourself to hope, then you come crashing down because you're like, oh, God,
2: it's gone wrong. So after the two weeks, what did they tell
3: you? So the first round, we actually had a chemical pregnancy. So that's when the embryo implants, which is good, but then it just doesn't take for whatever reason. So it could just be there's like a problem with the embryo or your body's just like, this is not right. It's kind of like nature's way. But it's basically a really early miscarriage. So I actually had it at work where I knew it Mm. hadn't worked. So I was in the office and I was in our old office where it's all open Plan um, And I had like a weird thing in my head of like I don't feel right. I feel really hot. And I I never take my phone to the loo because it's a bit weird. But I took my phone to the loo because I had like a weird thing about it. And then obviously I, I was like bleeding. So I then had to go to the clinic and have a test and find out. But then we had this really horrible two days where we did the test and it came back as pregnant because it had implanted. But then obviously it didn't take. So I had to go back in a couple of days and have another test. Oh. So I knew I wasn't pregnant because I was literally like bleeding, yeah. But the the nurses were like, "We well, have to hope it's still working." And I was like, "Um, yeah, like, no I know it isn't because I know what's going on." So that was really really difficult. And then the, we've done two rounds since, and they've both mm. been negative. Um, so the second round we had it went quite wrong I got really ill with this thing called um OHSS which is ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome and it's when your body react overreacts to the hormones and you produce loads of eggs and then your ovaries start to fill with fluid so they go a bit like they go mental like mine were as big as like two oranges um and oh, sounds painful. it was really painful yeah. and you're really bloated um and the clinics are like really good at spotting it but I think I just had it and I didn't really think I thought I was fine so I went in a bit late and then the hospital the, doctors were obviously like this is really serious you're really dehydrated because it gets to the point where your body just retains fluid so you get like fluid on your lungs and it can be really dangerous so i was in hospital for like 4 days on a drip which was not ideal <sighs> um so i think that round just for whatever reason it just didn't work we did it quite soon after the first round and i think my body was just like nope <laughs> i don't want to do this um so that was really difficult and then we didn't get very good embryos from that round so we had two that were like a bit dodgy but they kind of said oh we could put them back in but I was still really unwell so we decided not to put them back in and that was quite a hard decision and they froze them and then we did a frozen round and that didn't work so that's kind of how that one went and then the third round we did at the end of last year and we went to a new clinic because we were like we'll go to a new clinic we'll go private that will give us like a fresh start Um, and actually it was quite similar to the first round where we had like much better results I didn't get sick Um, we had like one really good embryo that they put back in But again, sadly, it didn't work. And um, I had like another, it wasn't actually a chemical pregnancy I knew before
2: the test day. So the first one was free. Do you mind saying how much you've had to spend on the others?
3: Yeah, so... The first round was free and Andy and I are really lucky because we actually have some inheritance from his granddad and from my grandma that we used to pay for it. Otherwise, I don't know how we would have paid for it because IVF is really expensive. Um, so the, fir- the second round we did at an NHS clinic, the same one we did our first round with, and it's a bit cheaper there. So that was probably about five grand, but then we had to pay another thousand pounds to do the frozen round. Mm. So that's six grand. And then um, we went to this quite, it's like one of the top London clinics um, and that was about 10 grand. So it's really expensive. I mean, I remember going to this IVF um clinic like conference thing once, and this really famous fertility specialist said IVF's is like a, buying a kitchen. Like it costs the same as a kitchen, except you don't know if you're going to get the kitchen at the end. And I was like, that's the worst that's, analogy. That's not a great analogy. <laughs> like,
0: that makes me feel work.
3: yeah. And it's like it doesn't really work. But that's like it's so expensive, and you're spending all this money, and you don't know if it's mm. going to work or not. I mean, obviously, it's totally worth it if you get pregnant and you know it really does work for some people but it's quite hard in your mind because it's it puts another pressure on it really because it's a lot of money but you have the way we've just had to deal with it is thinking our heads like it's worth it if we have a child that'll be amazing and also like that money wasn't really ours like we inherited mm-hmm. it so in our minds we're like well, we wouldn't have had it anyway so yeah let's just spend it <laughs> so how does going through that like impact your relationship
0: because it sounds really really hard Yeah, so it's really tough. Um,
3: (laughs) There's lots of different things about it that are tricky. Um, In a way, there have been positives. Like, I think it's really made us stronger as a couple. Like, I think Mm -hmm. the fact that we've gone through these three rounds, they've been really hard, I've been really ill, it's really, like... I'm, like I know he's like got my oh, I'm to get emotional mm-hmm. I know he's like got my back and he like really loves me um, oh no yeah, I was like, like I'm not oh, going to can cry. tell that when you see um, them together that's really good like he's really mm-hmm. supportive and he's been so oh my god
2: put <sighs> it together And that like hug <laughs> I know she's not like, a
3: hug <laughs> I'm she... allowed to move but I'm grabbing <laughs> no I'm fine um, so I know that he like really like we know we really love each other like for, we can get through this it's like a real testament to our relationship um, but it has been really hard like especially when I've like there's all the like hope and disappointment which is really difficult mm. as a couple and like when you've made that decision to have a family it's like a really big deal and yeah you just really want to kind of do that with that other person um so that's been really tricky, and I have been when I've taken the hormones. Like it does turn you into a different person sometimes, and I think Andy's found that really hard because mm. normally I'm—I like to think I'm quite chill, <laughs> quite a chilled out person. Rage blackouts yeah. is what you're name for I at know. Cosmo? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: actually, yeah. I'm
3: super relaxed. No, um, most of the time I'm quite chill at home, like with Andy, mm. <laughs> and then occasionally I get really angry. Whereas the hormones just made me really irrational all the time, like really stressy. I'd like snap at him all the time, and. I think for him he just didn't know what to do or like how Mm -hmm. to help and I think he found that really difficult um there's also the fact that like IVF the hormones make you put on quite a bit of like they make you put on a bit of weight but it's more they just make you very bloated and you Mm -hmm. feel really lethargic and like really tired so you don't really like want to have sex like that you just you just feel like shit basically (laughs) so that's quite tricky and like Andy will tell me as many times as he wants like you're really beautiful and like you're really amazing but in your mind you're like no I feel like shit and Mm -hmm. I can't have a baby and I'm failing and it just makes you you really like hard on yourself I think too so I think he's found that really tough um did you ever feel any resentment
2: towards Andy or
3: I think that's like quite a common thing with IVF because of often like when you're investigating it there'll be like one person that will have the issue but we had like a conversation about it right at the beginning where we were like we can't resent each other for it like it's no one's fault like it's not his fault he had cancer and he had complete like total body radiation and like that's caused him fertility issues. Similarly, like I've got fertility problems as well, and I didn't know. It's like, it's, it's no one's fault. Um, and at the end of the day, like I love Andy, and I, I'd want to have a kid with him and not anyone mm-hmm. else. So that's kind of how I've helped. I've not felt like that. I've just thought, well, I don't want a kid with like some random dude off the street. <laughs> I want to have a kid with Andy because I love him. So that it's you know this is just our what's happened and there's not really much you can do about it and have you thought what you want to do next we talked about it a lot because with IVF like some people do just keep doing round after round until they get pregnant and we've had loads of stories of people that have done like their 8th or 10th round and eventually it worked which is amazing but I don't know if either of us have got the emotional energy to keep going forever and ever so we have talked about when we would stop I think we'd like to do one other round definitely because um, like the last round we kind of nearly got there. um, And we kind of wanted to tweak a few things at this new clinic we're at. Um, We've also talked about like, yeah, if there's any other treatment stuff we could try. It's quite tricky with IVF clinics because they are businesses. So they've got all these extra things you could try or test or add on and you have to really try to keep a lid on it and only do the extras or the add-ons that are backed up by science because... Uh, people become so desperate to have a baby you'll do anything and you just want to increase your chances of getting pregnant because I think the percentage is only 30% with each round so the odds mm -hmm. aren't that great yeah and it can change depending on your circumstance but it's actually not that high so you want to increase the chances so we're we're kind of thinking of trying again and maybe trying some of the other things we could do but I think the reason we've been able to to do these three rounds is because we've spread them out quite a bit so it's taken us four years but we had a year and a half of actually getting to the clinic we did we've probably done about one round a year um because i just don't think we could have coped with doing any more like i really admire people that do round after round after round because you need like so much emotional resilience for that because you're just knackered like ivf
2: completely derails your life so you just afterwards you're like whoa (laughs) i need a bit of a break would you do any other options like adoption or surrogacy or anything
3: yeah so we've talked about that um Actually, neither of us really are that bothered about the child being our own. So I would happily adopt, Andy would also adopt. We did talk about as well, if we do get pregnant with IVF, we'd love to adopt. Um, I feel really strongly about it. We've been to an adoption open day, we've explored it. The only trouble is that Andy has a long-term lung condition and often it's quite difficult to adopt if one of you has health problems because they want to make sure that a child's coming into a family where yeah. the couple are healthy like you can't even smoke like there's quite a lot of rules so we have considered it but then we're also wondering if that might not actually be possible um, and surrogacy sure like we would it's quite difficult in the UK to do surrogacy like you have to do it abroad and it's really expensive so I, I wouldn't mind doing it from like an ethical personal level it's more just the cost of it But I don't have any qualms about like using donor eggs or any of that kind of stuff like that just doesn't really bother me. I feel like it doesn't need to be genetically yours to be your child and someone you care for. So
0: A lot of your friends have babies, right? And is that like insanely hard to see them
3: having something that you want so much? Or So I was really worried about it, about feeling like that. Because when we first started doing the IVF, none of my friends really had kids. So it wasn't anything I had to worry about. But my friends have been amazing. They've been so sensitive about being pregnant, announcing pregnancies, talking about their kids. They've just been really great. So I think in a way, because they've been so kind and caring... I don't know. I've just felt happy for them. I think I feel like it's just nice to see someone getting pregnant. So feel <laughs> like God. It, so you do get. So there are some. It's more re- really weirdly. It's more like celebrities or like random people <laughs> in the press that you hear about or like see on Instagram. Goes, I know. Literally, player. you see them on the Instagram and they're like, "Yeah, we tried the first time and got pregnant." And you're like, "Ugh, I hate you." But it's a, quite an irrational hatred because. And another way I kind of dealt with it in my mind was thinking, like, I love my friend's partners, but I don't want to have a kid with their partner, if that makes sense. So I was like, I don't want to have sex with you. So I don't want your child. Um, So while I would love a family and I, you know, it's hard not to feel like jealous of it. I'm happy for them, and it's a nice thing, and like I get to see their kids, which is great, and give them back, and give them back, yeah. And sometimes it is nice because you're like, oh, it's actually quite hard, yeah, <laughs> uh, Ooh, quite tiring. So I can just go home to my flat, and like the biggest responsibility I've got is my cat. Um, so I'd sometimes I feel like, yeah, actually. It's not been as difficult as I anticipated, but I do find, especially if you're doing IVF and you're taking loads of hormones, that's the time when you're more irrational about it. And Mm. you see people in the street that are pregnant and you're like, (laughs) how dare you? And like, you don't know their story. It could have taken them like eight rounds to get that pregnancy. So yeah, yeah, it's quite hard.
2: (laughs) So what advice would you give for other couples trying IVF or thinking about it? Okay, so
3: firstly, um, I would say think of IVF as stages. So there's like a lot of rounds to get through like parts of IVF and it's quite overwhelming at first and the way we coped with each round was to kind of think right we've got to egg collection we've got to embryos we've got to this rather than just thinking right I'm on my route to getting pregnant because often there's lots of ups and downs on the way and that makes it a bit easier um not everyone wants to be as open as I am about IVF like I tell everyone I'm like did you know I'm doing IVF (laughs) um but (laughs) It really helps to have a support network around you. Even if you don't want everyone to know, find one person you can really confide in. because And that will help your relationship as well. Because if it's just the two of you doing IVF, that's a bit of a pressure cooker situation. And sometimes you might be pissed off at your partner and you just want to talk to someone else about it. That's like having my group of friends and family know has been amazing. And colleagues, like my colleagues, were amazing too when I was going through it. I think telling people and talking about it is so good when you're going through something so stressful um definitely organize nice treats um during the round or after we would always book like a nice holiday after the round of IVF often something you wouldn't do with kids so like going to an <laughs> adult only all-inclusive <laughs> hotel in Greece
0: that's a sex resort uh, yeah. you and I
3: <laughs> classic definitely not behaviour. definitely not we got it in the January said as well because you're like broke after IVF but <laughs> um so definitely do that um and like just don't be hard on yourself because it's really easy to blame everything on you if you're the woman going through the treatment but like IVF is such a gamble you can't control the results of it just try and be kind to yourself and don't beat yourself up if it doesn't work um there's probably loads of things (laughs) but um if anyone wants to ask me on Instagram about IVF I'm happy to
2: help. I hope that you and Andy don't always think about what you don't have because from an outside perspective I would Love what you two have. You are like my dream. This sounds weird. Dream couple, but I feel like it's like you found something with each other. I feel like I'm going to cry now.
3: Getting so (laughs) Um, (laughs) emotional.
2: That most people might never find.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think it's really hard when you want to get pregnant, you're trying for a baby. All you think about is what you don't have and you become consumed by it. But I think. And another reason why having the breaks between rounds is so important because it really makes you assess, like, the other stuff you've got in your life. And, yeah, it's true. Like, Andy's amazing. I love our relationship. He's my best friend. And we have a pretty great life. Like, And it also made me think, oh, I've actually done quite well in my career this year. Like, you, if you're not just consumed by the IVF and you take a step out of it, you do think, well, there's actually other really good – there's other good mm-hmm. stuff going on and you need to really appreciate it. Um, But, yeah, I, I definitely think we would love a family, but if it doesn't happen – like just me and Andy is fine and great, and we can, it can get be a dog. A <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> sure
0: that, <laughs> not sure about that. and I am not sure about Coming that. to live with you guys, <laughs> you someday. can both
3: come and live with us in Tooting. We'll get a dog. It'll be great. Great, <laughs> <Right>, we're in. <laughs> Andy's like, uh, what? <laughs> Sorry, Andy. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, cool. Well, down thank down you so much for being so
3: honest
2: about it. My pleasure. And oh, pleasure. So we're going to we'll go cry, cry together. Okay, yeah, we'll go cry.
0: Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
2: So it's time for question of the week. Lauren's going to stick around for this one because oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep a straight face. It's,
0: and also it's Lauren's favourite topic. Absolutely. Rimming!
2: <laughs> um, how do you rim someone?
0: First of all, have a good wash, do a poo. It, like, you are coming face to face with an arsehole, so likelihood is it, shit's going to happen. But just have a lovely wash and then everyone's relaxed and then you're more likely everyone's to enjoy relaxed. it. Everyone's
2: relaxed! Yeah. I'm not. Lauren are you? I'm extremely stressed right now. <laughs>
0: um, start slow, like as if you were eating someone out or fingering someone. Start slow from round the outside and slowly work your way into the bullseye. Don't just go in there all tongues are blazing. Um
2: <laughs> No. No danger of
0: that. <laughs> you could try a broad flat tongue. You could oh. try <laughs> I've lost two friends today. Um you could you try a try... broad flat tongue. Just yeah. demonstrate that. Just think of like a toad. Uh. No one can see, and then you just Um, pat it. No, you lick. Oh my god, she's doing it, guys! She's doing it. Rimming is dead to me. Um, But you could also try more of like a delicate tickle with the tip of your tongue. Just try Mm. loads of different options because it's it's individual. See what your partner likes, and also kind of circle around the butthole a little bit. No, (laughs) I've lost them. Um, And also know that you don't have to do penetration with rimming. That's traditionally not what it is. But if you want to. You don't have to penetrate their anus. With your tongue? Yeah. But if you want to, you could just pop the tip in slowly. Pop,
2: <laughs> pop it, just pop it in. Pop it in. You I never what? heard someone's <laughs> referred to penetrating with a tongue. Yeah. I thought you meant like... With a you know. thing.
0: Yeah. You've both worked at Cosmo long enough to know. Okay. Yeah, so rimming's for everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely thought of as... Everyone a... get... Him. Come on, Dave. <laughs> uh, he's not. Rimming for everyone.
2: <laughs> I couldn't agree more. If rimming isn't for everyone, then what is it for? <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha wow that brings us to have the I end finished? have I finished have alright wrap up wrap up bye <laughs> um, that genuinely does bring us to the end of, <laughs> of Cosmopolitans all the way with thanks Aww. so
0: much to Lauren for joining us thanks for having me and for everyone else for listening if you have any sex questions or dating queries message us on Twitter or Instagram at Cosmopolitan UK
2: and Lauren what's your Insta if people have IVF questions it's Lauren J Smith 13 catchy
0: <laughs> very emo but yeah. fine
3: very emo <laughs>
2: um cosmopolitans all the way with was recorded at number eight studios and it's available to download on Acast, itunes and all your usual podcast apps
1: happy rimming <laughs> hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget